Hi guys, it's Rocco from Bros and Science. We're here at, in London uh, at Inferno Fitness in Hersham with my best buddy Bruce Lee. Um, you, you have no idea who's my next guest. Uh, we had an amazing chat, we had an amazing workshop and we talked about exercise, personal training, three myths that need to be debunked, um, CrossFit, what's functional and what's his next plans. So stay tuned. So bro, do you even science? Bros do science. Appreciate it, brother. Who's Nick? Well, I would just say in simple terms, um, I literally grew up in a gym. My mom was a bodybuilder in the 80s, as many wow. of you may have known. I've said that many times. Um, started off as a trainer in a gym, moved into uh, owning my own facility or co-owning my own facility with a good friend, my Mark Spatero in Baltimore, Maryland. And then went from a full-time trainer and full-time facility owner. I sold out of my, my gym a few years ago to a full-time trainer of trainers where I get to do things like this, but I still train clients part-time. I feel that's an important thing to do. And I've got to train a, a wide variety of clients from professional MMA fighters and, and bodybuilders to my bread and butter, like most trainers, which is the everyday Joe and Jane. Oh yeah. And then Sounds aside from that, I get to write a lot of articles and do cool interviews like this and have, you know, write books and, and things as well. Performance University. Performance U is, uh, Performance University is my company, started it maybe, I mean, I, I didn't start it when I first started training, it's a name I came up with down the road, but it basically represents my brand in regards to physical education, both from a technical standpoint like yeah. we do, but also a personal training aspect of it, because that's what, that's what working out really is, right? It's adult PE. Yeah. Yeah. What's personal training? Well, that's a good question, man. Um, personal training, first off, we can't take away that we're in the relationship business, True. right? So you do have to have that personality, you do have to have that connection with, with people. And if you're not a very fun person to be around and you don't kind of have the gift of gab, you're gonna have a hard time in this field, yeah. right? And we, can all, we all know trainers who we don't think are very technically sound, 100%. but their clients love them because they got the personality of it. So we can't deny that aspect of it. But that's coming from a person who teaches the technical aspects of training. True. Now, I think this is where you were leading me in the direction. Exactly. Are we following signs or are we following followers? Yeah, 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 whatever. right. So from the technical side of training, because let's face it, you could be the coolest trainer in the world, but if that's the only thing that separates you, then you're basically a cheerleader at that point, exactly. right? So from a technical side, to me, a personal trainer, and I, I'm including semi-private training and small group training within that, right, is being an exercise prescription expert. So notice I didn't say an exercise expert. I specifically said exercise prescription expert. Because to me, an exercise expert would just be like being an encyclopedia of exercises. Yeah. Here's a whole list of exercises, and here's how to do them. Or go, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But someone who's read a lot of books and memorized a lot of things, that doesn't separate you from any of them, right? So what separates you from they know bicep curls and you know bicep curls, right? And they know squats and you know squats and all these things. Well, the difference what separates a good trainer from a not so good one in my book from a technical aspect is as follows. Good trainers don't necessarily memorize exercises. They know how to analyze exercises. Yeah. How force is being put across tissues and joints, strength curve versus resistance curve, these types of things. 
and they know how to apply exercises, which comes down to individualization. What exercises do I deselect for you based on exercises that don't fit with your body, don't necessarily fit with your goals maybe? And then based on the exercises that I do select, how do I organize and prioritize those, which is the art of programming and the science of programming? And those are the things where the fitness enthusiast and the person that's always reading all the books and the magazines and a lot of trainers are lost upon, right? The analysis and organization and prioritization of exercises, because to them they just see all exercises as the same and they're all interchangeable and what are we gonna do today kind of thing. The difference between a method, yeah, and principles. Yes, principles as the saying is don't, don't change, but also principles don't go out of date. Exactly. So the qualities that I just described, the qualities of a good trainer, of the principle-based trainer, this are the same now as they will be 20 years and 100 years from now, and they are 100 years ago. Now obviously we are better at explaining them, we're better at applying them, right, which are the methods. But the principles determine the methods that you use, not just being uh, defining yourself by a certain type of trendy device or a certain style because, and by the way, that's not a good business model because you get pigeonholed and you get dated at that point. Sometimes you just follow what the shows. Correct, right? correct, yeah. Okay. Which is your favorite uh, superhero? Well, I'm, you're asking me because of the wall behind us. Actually, my favorite superhero is on this wall behind. I don't know if it's in, the, if it's in here, but it's um, Spider-Man. So Spider-Man's back there. And uh, I've actually been asked that question many times. And uh, I remember when I was like 18, or no, it was like 21. I was at a, I couldn't have been 18 because I was at a bar. but. Um, in these states, you gotta be 21 oh, yeah, to drink. 21. And it was one of these, um, they were interviewing for one of these like MTV dating shows at the time, right? And I was interviewed for it. And they asked me what my favorite superhero was. And I said, Spider-Man. And it's, uh, no one ever asked me that before that time, but it definitely is. Um, why? I don't know. I just, I just like how Spider-Man moves, the, the pose. I think it's really cool, the, the abilities. Obviously, I think you'd be a lot more powerful if you're a Superman, because oh, you're basically like yeah. a god at that point. But he's not, as, he's not as cool as me as Spider-Man. How about yours? So mine was Superman. Yeah. Uh, but I always followed Bruce Lee because of... Yeah? Uh, That's a real human right there. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. um, basically he was the first guy that encompassed physical activity, bodybuilding in a way. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah so for sure. There's, he's a philosopher. He's, um, he's, he's amazing. I agree, man. Actually, one of the biggest influences on myself, and like many folks, is Bruce Lee. And he really, uh, if you don't know, he's, he's beyond the movie guy, yeah. right? Um, but he was the first one to challenge the dogmas of, of um, martial arts. Yeah, exactly. And uh, basically said, hey, if your martial art is, is fully comprehensive and complete, then how come other martial arts were developed, right? Exactly. So he realized that there was benefits and limitations to each. Hey, you're, you know. Which is exactly, sort of is exactly the same thing you were saying before about exercise. That, that's what I was getting at, exactly right. So it, all these forms of exercise are just like kind of how what he was talking about in martial arts in the 60s and 70s is really what we're talking about now with, with uh, different forms of training. They all, they're all have their benefits and limitations. Exactly. Um, if you had three things that you want to eliminate as myths or fads or whatever from our industry, mm -hmm. pick three. The first one that comes to mind, um, I would say, is the myth. And th this is, I would say, this is more of a consumer-driven myth, um, is that the the biggest, strongest, fittest person in the gym is the most knowledgeable, yeah. right? Yeah. It, well, it is, the most, is the most qualified to train you, right? Now, there's a lot of trainers out there who understand that that's, that's a problem. 
but it's a myth that we have to overcome. Now, as trainers, we have to understand that perception is reality, as subjective as perception is. But it, it's, it, it almost makes the people comments, hey, it's common sense. If somebody, if I want to get stronger, I just find the strongest people, and therefore that's common sense, right? Well, you don't know if there's a lot of big genetic factors in there. Yeah, yeah, there could be some Mexican supplementation in there. I'm not taking away from the fact that people don't work hard. But, but you don't know other factors that are involved. And you could talk to four different people who have the same impressive numbers, and they all will tell you different methods. Of course, they'll tell you you got to exercise, right? you got to train hard, you got to lift heavy. But they'll give you different exercises. So you never really know with that. So that argument falls apart when you say, okay, I know it sounds reasonable, but it falls apart if I say, well, what if a world-class powerlifter gives, writes something down and gives it to you or me to read who don't have world-class powerlifting numbers and we read it word for word. Does it now become less credible simply because one of us doesn't, you know so what I mean? I always say, if you're driving a Ferrari, that doesn't mean that this guy's the best mechanic because he's driving the, one of the best cars, let's say. Right. It doesn't mean he can fix every car. Yeah, that's yeah. a very well, very well said. So what, what the takeaway here is this. As trainers, we have to understand that it is important to kind of look the part, right? It doesn't mean you have to be a model. I'm certainly not, right? But you definitely have to, have to, have to walk the walk to some level because people will judge you on that. But from the client's perspective, it's also important to understand that that is not really what demonstrates competency and, and, and knowledge. You have to judge the, the information on its own merits. And it lives and dies by its own merits, not by who is providing it. Because you could find 10 different fit people who say 10 different things. Right, yeah. which is why that's, that's not good enough. Correct. So I would say the second one is the idea that um, you have to do certain exercises in order to get stronger. Right. We every time we think strength, we think barbell lifts. You know, power lifts. Those are great, but they're just ways to put force across tissues and force across joints. Right. What you need to get stronger is overload and progressive overload. And there's lots of ways that I can put progressive overload through my hip joint or through my knee joint. And there's lots of exercise variations that enable me to, to do that. So when you're not a power lifter and you're just training to get stronger and more athletic, then all exercises are open to you at that point. And you find what best fits you. Don't try to fit yourself to some given set of you know, movements from a particular school of thought. So that is really my third one is uh, the myth that you should try to fit yourself to a particular type of program that emphasizes certain types of exercises, that everybody should be able to squat in a certain way or you know, be able to perform a certain amount of lifts. Correct, yeah. right? No, what everybody should do is exercise on a regular basis and find exercises that fit how you move. We all fit differently. Uh, we all move differently and so different exercises fit us. Yeah, 100%. And then we should also do things that tend to that are gonna keep us doing this for the, long, for the long term, right? So if it bores the crap out of you, then it's unlikely you're gonna stick with it. And if you're not sticking with it, then that's a, another problem. That's another roadblock that you're putting in, in your way. We're talking about the three things you wanna eliminate. What are the three inputs for mm -hmm. every personal trainer, coach, either he's starting today or he's been a coach there for years. Okay. What are the three things you wanna bring to him and say, look, these are the three main things I want to start doing from now on. So it's an interesting question. I would say first, understand that all the answers that you want about how you should train are normally, in regards to training direction, are normally right in front of you with the client. 
right? Now, I understand the client doesn't have the technical knowledge that we've already talked about. What I mean by all the answers is preferences, things that they feel have worked for them in the past, things that they don't like, past injuries, things that irritate them, favorite exercises, least favorite exercises, styles of workouts, fast tempo, slow tempo. We rarely answer, ask those types of questions, but the answers to those questions tell us a lot. And you, you go back to your question about personal training, this is the relationship aspect of it, exactly. right? This is the listening to, and again, they're all expressions of physical activity. So it's not letting the client dictate the training direction. You're doing that as a trainer, but it's letting the client kind of point to the area on the map and say, this is the way I'm going to stick around with this most, you know, for the most, for the long term and enjoy this True. because that's the biggest challenge. So adherence, adherence. Yeah. Ad ad adherence. And that's, and that's buy-in. That's buy-in. Ask any coach of any team who's been successful. The first thing they'll say is buy-in, right? Because we've all seen some of these uh, masterfully put together teams of superstars and, oh, yeah. the, and they don't go far. Why? Because there's no, everybody's trying to be the alpha, right? So there's, because there's no buy into one over system that everybody's moving towards. So I would say that kind of, I'll springboard off of that to number two, is that understand that most people who are training in most personal training, semi-private boot camp settings, or small group training with trainers are not actually there chasing numbers, right? They're not there to chase a bigger back or bigger deadlift. They may say that in the beginning because that's all they know. But most of the time they're there for general health and fitness. They want to enjoy every workout. They want to be challenged but not hurt. And they like variety, yep. right? Now this doesn't mean that you can't ever give any sort of variety and you have to compromise what you feel is important. What it means is that if you want long-term adherence and you, you have to meet people where they're at and understand that not everybody has the same, is coming to the gym for the same reasons that you are, sure. right? They're exercising as secondary to their life. A lot of coaches and right. personal trainers are basically biased to what they like. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So I would say that's more along the lines of just having perspective and, and on reality. Reality is telling us telling this, this every day when we look at the success of a lot of these group training models that are out there. And a lot of the trainers, especially the technical types, you know, we want to just balk at it and go, ah, people don't know any better. But keep this in mind. Only losers complain about reality. Winners embrace reality and adapt accordingly. Exactly. All right. Exactly. That's a good uh, segue to, because I wanted to, uh, to ask you about CrossFit. I usually say people always oh, create injuries, it's not, it's this, it's that. And I always say, you know, if it's, it's going to, if you're going to come up from your couch and a box to a multi-dimensional box, which is a CrossFit gym, mm -hmm. and you're going to enjoy it, you're going to add here, mm -hmm. I'm 100%. Mm -hmm. Now, I love and I hate CrossFit. I mean programming, because you can see some really weird stuff. Mm -hmm. so then my second question would be, functional what is functional because you see so, some crazy shit out there sure okay well first off what when I teach I, I'm here to talk about what I do not what other you yeah. know places do but I have to say I'm not I don't really think it's a fair characterization of when people say um, you know I do or I don't like this or it creates a lot of injury speaking of CrossFit because CrossFit at this point is is basically like saying a personal training certification yeah. right yeah, yeah. there are there are good coaches and there are bad coaches exactly. right so um, and I don't think the numbers from what I've seen the numbers don't shake out the saying it creates more injuries yeah. because you have to look at the amount of volume of people that are doing it True. so you have to look at 
at it on an individual coach by coach basis. And then a better way to ask that question, and I'm not trying to correct you, but I mean in, in other trainer discourse, would be, well, what aspect of it are you talking about? You know, do you not like the fact that they do Olympic lifts overhead, you know, for high volume? Well, maybe that definitely doesn't line up with how I train. That's a much more reasonable question to ask than something global, right? You know what I mean? You can say, what do you think of Nick? And you go, well, I don't like it. And then somebody asks you, what, what do you mean? You might go, well, I don't like his singing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you, you just decided what aspect you're going to say you didn't like, but someone said, yeah, but I was asking about his training. So it's just not fair to, to keep questions that open, right? Um, and of course, as you said, they do a wonderful job of the community and popularizing barbells, and they've fundamentally changed CrossFit. has fundamentally changed how gyms operate, exactly. right? So we all should thank them um, for that. But like I said, I take that on a coach versus coach, program versus program basis, and I don't treat it any differently than I would treat any other program, yeah, right? Just one your input because you're there for lots of decades. And yeah. And from a coach with your stature, I need exactly to know what you think about it. Because from my point of view, I, I trained, I used to own a box, and my, my, my thing always was individualization, principles, mm -hmm. and yes, follow that protocol. And it's not what we see in YouTube or in the games, because that's different. They're professional sure. athletes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about recreational people, uh, general population, stuff like that. Yeah. You talked yeah. to your seminars about functional training and you had an amazing article in T Nation. Um, I've seen loads of articles. Yeah, talked about it in the books. Yeah, yeah. in your books. Uh, there's a new book, I think, coming out. Yep, well, it's already out called Your Your Workout Perfected. Oh, cool. Yep. I'm going to put the links in uh, under the Appreciate video. it. Appreciate it. What's functional? So I mainly talked about this, shameless plug, um, in my second book that came up previously called Building Muscle and Performance. Yeah, amazing book. So the first chapter, I, I talk about that. So couple things here. First off, as soon as trainers hear that term functional, many of them just immediately kind of balk and throw their hands in the air and go, oh, it's a meaningless term. It's a meaningless fitness buzzword because it means different things to different people. All right. The problem is that doesn't really get us too far. And many people are still using that term. Yeah. Right. Yep. yep. Um, so it's worth discussing and, and creating clarity because no clarity comes from that reaction that I just went over. Right. So let me, let me define it, but also clarify some of these things. First off, the term strength also means different things to different people. But we don't say strength is a meaningless term, right? Let me give you an example. I've trained professional bouldering athletes. Those are climbers. If, I, if they tell me I'm feeling weak today, they're not talking about barbell lifts, right? So strength means different things to different people. So that, that brings out a logical, a logical inconsistency between how we look at certain terms, right? So the first thing is we gotta get rid of that logical inconsistency and be consistent. Now, the other problem with the term functional, which is a reasonable complaint, is that people have, do have different definitions, like they have different definitions of strength, but they don't communicate and clarify what they mean when they use the term before they start debating about it and promoting it. Excellent. Right? Yeah. So you may have a, a belief of what it means, and I may have a different belief about what it means, right? And then, so I may meet, think it means standing on two feet, gravity-loaded, three-dimensional movement, which is a, a common definition. Another one may say, well, functional just means, Jumping does it, does it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then somebody else may think, does it mean look like any sort of task you do in daily life or sport, uh -huh. right? Is there some crossover to that? Sure. But we're still off, we're still not communicating. What do you mean by that? What do I mean by that? So what I do is I like to cut through that and just go, 
let's go to the dictionary, right? Because dictionary provides common usages, yeah. right? And dictionaries can change. Yeah, 100%. But the most, when we look at the dictionary, um, we see that the most common usage in the context of the way it's used in fitness, the word function or functional means for a specific task or purpose. Yeah. So if we go moving forward with that definition now, so I just clarified what I'm, the context in which I'm using it and how I'm delineating it. What we know based on that definition is one, that you can't judge an exercise as functional or non-functional based on the equipment it uses or how it looks, right? You have to look at how well it transfers to the specific goal or task of which one is training for. Now that can get a little, you opened up a can of worms here, but that's good. I know. Um, that can also get a little confusing when someone could say, so bodybuilding, uh, bicep curls are functional for bodybuilding. Well, in that, in that definition, yes. But most of the time the divergence happens there, people aren't satisfied with that answer because they're talking about it from more of a human performance side, right? Okay. From a more of a performance, not necessarily a physique what side. are you gonna use bicep curls in your There you go, and that, that's performance. Uh, yeah. That's performance, yeah. right? So movement side. So in that case, we really have to then look at exercises from what you're really talking about is how well does this transfer? How well does the, what you're doing in the gym transfer to something outside the gym yeah. as in your question? Or, or, when are you going to use that, right? So then there comes, and this is what I talked about in the book, Building Muscle and Performance, is there's really two types of ways an exercise can transfer. There's in a specific manner, and then there's in a general manner. But both are good. In a specific manner, it seems to replicate specific force generation and neuromuscular coordination patterns of target movements, right? So if I'm trying to get better at punching or better at any rotary sport, then doing rotary-based exercises, throwing medicine balls, cable chops, different things, they replicate the specific force generation and neuromuscular coordination patterns of the target movement. That would, that would have a specific carryover. Other exercises, such as hamstring curls, bicep curls, right? Uh, or just uh, bench press. They don't necessarily look like the movement. So some people say, oh, that's not functional. But that's actually saying that it doesn't transfer. And that's actually not true. It does transfer. Because we know one of the ways to generate, ro or one of the main force generators in rotation is leg strength. Yeah. Also, body weight. The heavier that you are, the more you can put force into the ground to drive away from. So if I put on muscle from bodybuilding, because rarely do we want to gain body fat, yeah. and I get stronger at generating force into the ground, I'm not only able to generate more force when I stand, I'm also able to prevent you from knocking me over, True. which helps in combat, uh, combat or, or high contact sports. Well, I maybe mean, we got to be careful because it's a weight class sport. But rugby, American football, things like that. NBA, boxing out, yeah. right? So that's where I... Um, kind of depart from the word functional and rather say look at it as transfer because as soon as you use the term functional you're a as a, you're you're basically saying some exercises are now non-functional dangerous or non-helpful and you're basically saying that they don't transfer so all someone like me has to come to you and say well here's a research study that shows just adding in seated ha or lying hamstring curls which actually has been done um, improve improve speed and reduced injuries Right, and that actually is a study. So that falsifies your claim.
right there. We know what other studies do we have, and we have research on that. So it depends always on the context you put it. Correct. So that, but but the, the the larger thing I want to I know I've soapboxed here a little bit, but the larger thing I want to take I want to, to make drive home here is these conversations are the ones that are not had between trainers. And unfortunately, the Twitter verses and the Facebook verses and the Instagram verses are horrible means to have this sort of discourse because it's just snippets and it's easy for me to misinterpret you here and misinterpret here to you. But when you can sit down with somebody and go, well, what do you mean by that? Oh, that's reason. Well, here's what I mean by that. Well, that's reason. Well, how about this? How about that? And we can have more of that yeah. podcast-ish discussion, which I think that's why podcasts are starting to blow up. Yeah. We should be able to talk to each other and not put each other in boxes and camps and not make this political. Because as you see, there's probably a lot more common ground. And it's okay to disagree. But when you do this, you see that everybody's out for the same reasons. We're trying to get better and we're trying to make everybody better around us. And we're just doing the best way we know how. We're not trying to just be silly, you know, or just be argumentative. Perfect, excellent, because that's what happens in the fitness industry. Uh, something pops out, yeah. it gets a bad brand, and then everything behind that gets a bad brand. Correct. Like, like, you said, if you like politics. Yeah, same thing. And, that, yeah, and, we, yeah. don't want, and we don't want well, that. Wherever there's money, there's that, you know, thing. Like well, then there's people, there's because there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's opinions. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. What's next? What's next is I go home. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm not home for long. I actually am going to go to a conference in Mexico, um, which I'm looking forward to. I think it sounds called Queretaro or Queretaro, Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, teaching at a conference there called One Fitness Weekend, following this. Um, and then we're, you and I are planning something in Athens, oh, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were talking about what, October? Uh, uh, November 3rd, I think. Beginning of November. Beginning of November. Okay, November. yeah, yeah. So beginning of November, Athens, oh, Greece. Yeah. We're uh, getting some feedback on it right now, but uh, 2018, keep an eye out for it. So we'll do, a, we'll do some seminars there. Yeah, looking forward to yeah, trainer programming, trainer coaching, all the things that you care about as a trainer, uh, everything you need to know to, to program better, to coach exercises better, and nothing you don't. All practically relevant stuff. Perfect. Nick, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate everything you do, man. Okay. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you.